can't control what tomorrow will bring. But I know here in the middle is the place where you promised to be.
Our theme this year has been being authentic. In, in, in my redneck vernacular, that means being the real deal. And I didn't turn this on. Can y'all hear me? Today, in today's time, it's getting more and more difficult to determine what is real. Do you agree with that? Amen. What with all the things they got now, photo enhancement, computer generation, plastic surgery, all those kind of things. Um, I, I noticed in 2019 they had a, a Star Wars movie with uh, Carrie Fisher in it. And uh, it was pretty good, but she died in 2016. So um, things can be deceptive. <laughs> um, <clears throat> My daddy used to tell me this. He would say, Boy, he called me boy even to the day he died. He was 76 and I was 38 when he died. He called me boy and he said, boy, don't believe anything you hear and only half of what you see. <clears throat> but today, in today's world, I think we need to change our motto and say, don't believe anything you hear or anything you see. Sometimes what you see is not what you get. Play the, the song. Sang me a song. What was an, you sang me a song the other day on the phone when I called. Oh, <laughs> I got to thinking what it would be like if a guy didn't really know the girl he was marrying, you know. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> goes like this. Uh, we got married last Friday. My girl was right there beside me. Our friends were all gone. We were alone, side by side. We were so happily wed when she got ready for bed then. Her teeth and her hair she placed in a chair side by side one glass eye so tiny one hearing aid so small then she took one leg off and placed on the chair by the wall I stood there broken hearted. Most of my girl had departed. I slept on the chair. There was more of her there. <laughs> By side. I don't know if I'll be able to recover from that or not, right? <clears throat> but you get the point. The point I was trying to make is that um, in this day and time, not many things are authentic anymore. And you, you, sometimes you don't know what you get. Have you ever been in a church that was just cold, dead, 
You know, Jesus in, in the book of Revelation says that uh, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in and sup with him. And many preachers have used that as a salvation message, and that's a good one. You can use it there. But what it's really talking about is he is, he's at the door of the church. He's outside the door of the church. If you'll read the book of Revelation, you'll understand what it's talking about. He's outside the door of the church, and he's knocking on the door and saying to the church, if you'll just let me in, I'll come in and sup with you. Now, if you were to go around to all the churches in Phoenix City and Columbus, if you could just pop in like Jesus, okay? If you could just pop in and see what the atmosphere is, you would find that there is all kinds of different temperatures in those churches. And I'm not talking about the thermostat, okay? The difference in the temperatures is the presence of God. Today's message is entitled, Entering the Presence of God Through the Authentic Worship. And I want to talk to you about four areas of authentic worship this morning. The first one is, what does authentic worship look like? The second one is, what does it taste like? And you're probably thinking, he's crazy. The third one is, what does it feel like? And then the last one is, what is the results of authentic worship? Why are we going to do it if there's no good results from it? What does authentic worship look like? Well, the standard for authentic worship, where would you think that would be? Where would you think the standard is? It, I would, it would be great if it was Auburn Heights, but it, the standard is in heaven. The standard's in heaven. So I want us to look at what the standard, uh, uh, God shows us what, it's, what authentic worship is supposed to be like. And we'll look at Revelation chapter 4, verses 8 through 11. I'll be there in a second. And the living creatures, and the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings full of eyes all over and within and underneath, and their wings, and day and night, they never stop saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and who is to come. Whenever the living creatures gave glory and honor and thanksgiving to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders, 24 elders in heaven represent the 12 tribes of Israel, and the other 12 is the representative of the saints, the New Testament saints. So that's, that's all of the representation of heaven. The 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne, and they worship him who lives forever and ever, and they throw down their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, O Lord, and God, to receive the glory and the honor and power, for you have created all things, 
Because of your will, they exist and were created and brought into being. That's the, it, that's the standard, that's the picture, if you will, of authentic worship. Now, if you get tired of 7-Eleven, and we talked about that the other day. You know what 7-Eleven is, right? Seven words saying 11 times, right? In our courses. If you get tired of 7-Eleven, what are you going to do when you get to heaven? When they say this all the time. Holy, holy, holy. I wonder why they say it three times. Don't you imagine because it's Father, Son, and Holy Ghost? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. They say this continuously, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and they've been saying it for ever. And they're going to be saying it forever. And if you get tired of 7-Eleven, you better get used to holy, holy, holy forever. Okay? I like this part of my message. When authentic worship happens on earth, it looks like a complete mess. Okay? And it does. There are people falling on their faces at the altar. People are shouting. People raising hands. People dancing. Some are crying and some are laughing in the Holy Ghost. And unless you're participating in it, listen to this now. Unless you are participating in it, You'll think it's weird. You'll think it's weird. Look at them. Look at what they're doing. Don't look at what they're doing. Remember, all people are different. They have different issues in their life. God has rescued some people from a lot of stuff. And it's okay for them to get happy and shout. You know what I'm saying? I was thinking about Beth Polk when I was doing this message because she gets a little rancorous in her worship sometimes. You know that? But how many of you have been brought back from the dead more than once? Might make you a little bit happy. Some people have been delivered from cancer. Some people have been delivered from heart attacks and different things. So if they get a little bit more wound up, it's okay. Beware of being a spectator. Beware of being a spectator. I have done this in my past. When I first went to a charismatic church years ago, I would sit there and look and I'd go, what in the world are they doing? But if you become a spectator and not a participator, it leads, it leads down the wrong path because you'll become, you'll become vindictive towards people because you don't understand what they're doing. Let's look at 2 Samuel. I'd like to read that for you. 2 Samuel chapter 6, verses 12 through 16. I want to give you an example of this. <clears throat>
I hear Bibles turning, even though it's probably on the board. I hear pages turning in Bible. That's good. Of course, you might not be able to follow along because I'm reading out of the Amplified, as I always do. 2 Samuel 6, 12 through 16. Now King David was told, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. David had tried to bring the ark of God to Jerusalem one other time, but he didn't do it right. He had to go back and figure out how to do it. And, uh, and so he went and brought up the ark from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with rejoicing and gladness. Do you see what it says there? He brought up the ark with rejoicing and gladness. Okay? And when those who were carrying the ark of the Lord by its poles had, had gone six paces, he sacrificed an ox and a fatling. Every six steps, they stopped and sacrificed an offering. David wanted to get it right. And David was dancing. Oh, my God. In a Baptist church. No, on his way to Mount Zion, David was dancing before the Lord. Was, look at the next expression, great enthusiasm. There's an asterisk in my Bible there, and it says, what that means is it says that with all his might. He was dancing before the Lord with all his might, wearing a linen ephod, a priest upper garment. That's really like an undergarment, okay? So David was stripped down to an undergarment, dancing and praising before the, before the ark of God. So David and all the house of Israel were bringing the ark of the Lord up to the city of David with shouts. I think that makes it okay, right? Beth shouts. Steve shouts, I think it makes it okay, right? With shouts of joy and the sound of the trumpet. And when the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, David's wife, looked down from the window and above, above and saw the king leaping and dancing before the Lord. And she felt contempt. For him and her heart because she thought him undignified. Well, I'm going to get to that in just a minute, okay? I want to look at verse 23. There's, there's a result of not only not participating in worship, criticizing worship. There's a result of that. Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no child to the day of her death. You don't have to participate. I mean, you don't have to. But you need to. But here's the thing you need to do. You don't need to look at anyone else. If you seek God's face... If you seek his face, you won't have time to look and see what everybody else is doing. You don't have to do what they do. You don't have to understand what they do. You just need to seek his face. And let him tell you what you need to do. 
There's only one thing worse than not participating in worship, and that's faking it. Don't do that. God doesn't like that. The second point I want to make today is what does authentic worship taste like? And this is, this is a, a good one here. Psalms 34, 8 says, Oh, taste and see the Lord our God is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Now, let me ask you a question. How do you determine if something's good or not? You read about it? You think about it? You write essays on it? No. How do you tell something's good? You taste it. Right? If you never tasted Sue Green's chocolate cake, you would never know how good it is. But I promise you this. If you ever taste the goodness of God, if you ever taste the goodness of God, you'll never be the same. Moses, in Exodus 33, he, he said this to God. He said, I want to see your face and I want to be more intimate with you. And God said, Moses, you can't see my face. You'd die. That was another dispensation. We're supposed to seek his face now. That was another dispensation. He said, Moses, you'll die. But here's what I'll do. I will hide you in the cleft of the rock. I'll hide you in the cleft of the rock. The rock is Jesus. That was a picture of what we're going to be someday. All the born-again Christians, we're all hidden in the cleft of the rock. That means we can get near to God. Right? And he said, I'll hide you in the cleft of the rock, and I'll let my goodness pass before you. And he put his hand over Moses' face, and he passed by him, and he saw his goodness pass by and it changed him forever. He came down off that mountain. His face was glowing. He didn't even know it. They had to put a, they had to put a thing over his face because he was glowing. First Peter 2, 2 and 3 says, Like newborn babies, you should long for pure milk of the word so that by it you may be nurtured and grow in respect to salvation in the fact that you have already tasted. You can't grow in anything in God until you have tasted it. Tasted the goodness and gracious kindness of the Lord. Now my last little grandbaby, Rowan, he's about 10 months old now. Y'all say, what? Well, Ed, you use your grandchildren way too much in your messages, and I do. <clears throat> but I learn a lot of life about watching them. Now, he loves his mother's milk. <laughs> I mean, that's his number one preference, okay? And when Joanna tried to introduce new foods to him, you should have seen his face. Oh, he made some of the worst faces you ever saw in your life, especially when she first gave him bananas. Ooh. It's like that with God. Once you've tasted his goodness, you don't want nothing else. You want to be in his presence. 
So what does authentic worship feel like? <laughs> well, I don't think you can describe it. It's indescribable. When you get in the presence of God, how do you explain what's going on? I can say this is overwhelming awe to be in God's presence, his glorious peace, his fullness of joy. There's a thousand other things it could be when you get in God's presence. Well, how do you describe it? Well, you just, uh, you just, it's indescribable. Now, I, I studied, I've been studying a, a message that Joseph Garlington did on, on worship. And, and he used this analogy here. He used this little story here. And, and I thought it was so good. I had to use it because it's so, it makes the point so well. He said that, that it, when Jesus ascended to heaven, there was 500 people there. And he said, go to Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Ghost. Well, <clears throat> 120 went. Sounds like Sunday night, don't it? You have 500 on Sunday morning and 120 on Sunday night. And he said it would be like if one of the 380 went up to one of the 120 and said, What happened? What was it like? And the guy would say, Uh, uh, it was like, um, well, I can say it was his glory. <laughs> At first, we heard this really loud wind, and we didn't know what was going on. And it, it, it filled the whole room. And then we looked around to see what was happening, and we, we looked at everybody, and they had like, it was, it was like fire on their head. Yeah. And then it looked like everyone had been drinking and started, they started stammering. We started stammering and talking in other languages. And, and, and Bishop Garlington said it's like this, it would be like this today. It, if you ask somebody what it was like when God touched them, they would say, <clears throat> Well, I don't know. It just, God hit me. And when I got up off the floor, people looked at me differently. That's about what it's like, isn't it? People look at you differently. There was a song uh, sung by Tommy Tenney. I don't know if you know him or not. He's one of the great men of seeking God's presence. His wife sang a song called One Night with the King. <clears throat> and it expresses what I'm trying to say here better than anything I could say. And the chorus goes like this. It says, one night with the king changes everything. One day in his courts will forever change your heart. Balcony, forgive me. I forgot to look up there. Up until now, I apologize. One day in his courts will forever change your heart. One moment. That's all it takes. One moment in his presence and you'll never be the same. One night with the king changes everything. So, what is the result of authentic worship? 
the result is the manifest presence of the Father. You see, His presence comes through worship. Remember my last message? His presence comes through worship. The Jews missed their visitation when Jesus came by. He came to the earth for the, for the Jews, and they refused him. Now, let me ask you a question. How many times has he come by Auburn Heights? Now, we know he lives in our hearts. He's, he's here every time we're here. But I'm talking about comes. Like a mighty rushing wind, like, like all those other things. When, he, when he's, he's, he's knocking at the back door back there, and he says, well, will somebody just let me get in his presence? How many times has Jesus came by and passed on by because we were not entering into the presence of the Father? I'm not, I'm not criticizing you, church. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. There's more. I want to read a scripture, Hebrews chapter 4. I mean, excuse me, chapter 12. Don't panic up there. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 18 through 24. If I can find it. Talking about being afraid of God. Being afraid of the presence of God. Listen to this. You have not come, as did the Israelites in the wilderness, to a mountain that can be touched and to a blazing fire and to gloom and darkness and raging windstorm and to the blast of a trumpet and to the sound of words such that those who heard them begged that nothing more be said to them. For they could not bear the command, even if a wild animal touches the mountain, it will be stoned to death. In fact, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I am filled with fear and trembling. But you, but you, but you, but you, but you, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, you come to the city of God and to myriads of angels in festive gathering and to the general assembly and assembly of the firstborn. Assembly of the firstborn is the Christians, registered citizens in heaven. No, that's a good word right there, registered citizens. They, they got their birth certificate. <laughs> you ever thought of that? We born again, right? They got their birth certificate. They got their citizenship. Citizens in heaven and to God who is judge of all and to the spirits of the righteous, the redeemed in heaven who have been made perfect. We've been made perfect, church. Bringing them to their final glory and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. We're under a new covenant. We don't have to fear God's face. We don't have to fear God's presence. We don't have to fear going near the mountain. 
We have a new covenant. Jesus died on the cross and that veil of that temple that separated God and man was rent from top to bottom, not bottom to top. It was rent from top to bottom indicating that God ripped it. And he said, go boldly to the throne of grace. What great, what verse am I on? Uh, huh? 24. And to Jesus, the meteor of the new covenant, new covenant, uniting God and man, and to the sprinkled blood which speaks of mercy, a better and nobler and more gracious message than the blood of Abel. And then verse 28, listen to this. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show, let us show gratitude and offer to God, what does it say? Pleasing service and acceptable worship with reverence and awe. So, let me ask you this. That makes a good glass rack there. Is that what you do? What are you afraid of? Well, Brother Ed, I'm afraid. I'm afraid I might lose my dignity if I really worship God in spirit and truth. I don't have any. I, I, I'm through with all that, okay? What if the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords had said this to God? <clears throat> I don't want to be stripped down to my undergarments and beaten and cursed and spat upon. What if he had said that? I'm a little bit more dignified than that, Father. You know, I'm the Son of God. I am, you know. But he didn't do that. Can you even compare our dignity to Jesus' dignity? Somebody else might say, well, I'm afraid I might look weird and do weird things. In whose eyes? In whose eyes would it look weird? Would it look weird in God's eyes? If we jumped a pew? Well, we don't have any pews now. If we jumped a chair? Would it look weird in God's eyes? Somebody else might say, well, I'm afraid I'll I, I just lose control. Really? How much can you control now? Can you grow hair? <laughs> can you grow height? Can you lose weight? I can't. The, the, the thing about it is we don't have control anyway. And if we let God control us, he's not going to do anything to us that he doesn't want to happen. It'll be for your good. You have to trust God. We were made to worship. Yes. Yes. We were made to worship. Yes. 
God wanted people to worship Him. And we were made to give glory to God. And when we sense His presence, see, that's, that's where we go wrong a lot of times. When, when we're worshiping sometimes and we sense His presence, we just kind of back off. When we sense His presence, we need to enter in. We need to enter in. Do you remember the old hymn, Have Thine Own Way, Lord? We used to sing it in Baptist church a long time ago. Mama's played it a million times, I bet you. One of the verses said this, Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Thou art the potter. I heard somebody say that over there this morning. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me (laughs) after thy will while I am waiting yielded and still when we sang it in those days did we mean it I've heard it sung a million times and I didn't see very many people acting on that did we ever even know what it meant most of us didn't well we do now you do now You know what it means now. Let me say this to you. Everywhere Jesus went, he messed up the status quo. (laughs) He messed things up, okay? Things did not run normal when Jesus was near. And now, the Holy Spirit wants to mess us up. Okay? He wants to mess us up. But until we let go and worship Him in spirit and truth, we'll never know the fullness of God. Why do some people have a certain glow about them? Remember what we said about Moses? Now, we, we, we don't see the actual light emanating from their face, but you see people with a glow, don't you? Have you ever seen them? You can nod. It's okay. You ever seen people with a glow, a special glow? You know what it's caused from? Being with Jesus. When disciples did some things in the New Testament, they said they realized that they had been with Jesus. In the presence of the Father changes you. There's a certain glow about you. I don't want to have to learn how to worship in heaven. Do you know that there's millions and millions of Christians that get to heaven, they're going to be like, wow, I didn't know it was like this. I didn't know it was going to be like this. I would have uh, been practicing a little bit more. They're going to put some of us over in the remedial music department. And you're going to have to pass remedial worship in order to get to the throne. Rodney, I didn't say that. But it might be true. I don't want to have to learn how to worship in heaven. I want 
to learn to be in God's presence now. There's a, there's a little... There's a little verse that says, Lord, you are holy. There is none like you. Yes. You are holy, holy. Glory to you alone. That should be our, our mission, church. Before we do anything else, once you get saved, before you do anything else, we need to learn how to worship. Authentic worship. Yes. I love this theme that we're on now. Authentic. Yes. Being authentic. Because it's, it, it's what it's all about. If it's not authentic, God's not going to be pleased with it. So church, I, I pray that, that, that you will... Remember, when we come to worship again, that you will remember that God is looking for worshipers that are seeking his face. Don't be a spectator. Be a participator. If you're participating, you won't see what Beth is doing. If you're a participator, you won't see what Gail is doing. If you're looking at God's face, yes. he'll be telling you what you need to do. Yes. So I thank you for this time, Rodney. You can come up now. Appreciate it so much. God is good. Stand together.